I thank God for this day. I declare to you today that guess what? God is good. And all the time. Amen. No matter what we're going through, God is still good, right? No matter what happens, guess what? God is still good. Even in the bad times, guess what? God is still good. So I praise God in the midst of all of my situations. Amen. So we thank God for this day. We are in a series called Summer School. Somebody shout, Summer School. Okay, that time y'all said it. This time shout it. Shout, Summer School. Amen. Praise God. So God is taking us back to the Gospels of Mark, and he's teaching us how to be a good student. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited for the word of God this morning. Has anybody been doing their homework? Have y'all been doing y'all homework? Amen. Praise God. If you haven't, I'm going to give you another assignment this week. And if you haven't been participating, go ahead and join in on us from last week. Amen. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Let's lift up on our feet. Let's start at verse 1. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Starting at verse 1. You'll find these words. I hear a little music. If we don't mind turning that down. Mark chapter 3. Starting at verse 1. And it says this, and he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him, my Lord, on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? To save life or to kill, but they held their peace. And when he had looked round about them or with anger, being grieved for their hardness of their hearts, he said unto them, he said unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hands was restored whole as the other. Verse 6 is going to conclude our reading. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway, took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might what? Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we say, Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you for this opportunity to, to gather in your house um, around to worship you, Father, to love on you, Father, even around your word. And Father, as we go into your word, Father, I just pray that you have your way. Father, speak to us like you have never spoken to us before. Father, I pray now that you will allow your word to do everything that you have sent it to do in this place, God. God, I thank you now that you have purposed every person to be here with a purpose, God, that you have allowed them to be here to hear this word, to hear this message. And Father, let it penetrate our hearts that we may see change on the inside of us Lord God that we may become more and more and more and more like you God have your way in this place in Jesus name and everybody said amen on your way down I want you to help me preach this morning look to your neighbor and say neighbor oh uh, shout and say neighbor. neighbor don't let the pressure, let the pressure. make you, make you. Amen. amen give God praise right there Back in school, there was this thing that would get the best of many students. 
And I think it still finds a way to trap meaning into falling short still today because I work in the middle school. And I believe not only did it affect people in school, but it has followed some to their careers and their social endeavors. Many people have changed who they are. They did things that they knew didn't align with their values, and they participated in certain events that they know, activities that they know didn't fit them because of this influence. And if you don't know what I'm talking about this morning, I'm talking about peer pressure. Y'all know about peer pressure, huh? Peer pressure is a feeling that one must do the same thing as other people of their age or their social group in order to be liked or respected by them. And we've all been there before. Can we be honest? We've all been there before. We've all had, we might all have skipped a class. Good God from Zion. Try something that we know we shouldn't have been supposed to be trying. Going and attending something that we, we honestly, I didn't feel like going, but I just went because they were talking about it. We've all have had our fight with peer pressure. Not only did we have our fight, but I really believe that some of us are still facing and fighting peer pressure today as I speak. That we're fighting, we're finding our fit between who God has created us to be, who God told us to be, and where we stand at yet in the world. We're fighting with peer pressure. We're fighting between trusting God's timing. And being pressured by everybody else to rush things because it seems like that's what everybody else is doing. I'm, I'm in the house. We're fighting with embracing and expressing our self-esteem, our self-beauty. And, and instead of dealing with the insecurities of other people and the want to be liked on social media, we are fighting peer pressure today. We're fighting with walking out our callings in God and still trying to live the life that we feel like we're missing out on. Good God from Zion. We're still fighting. Can I be honest? We're fighting the peer pressure. I know it. I know it. You know God has called you to more, but look, everybody else is doing this. You feel pressure sometimes. We're still fighting what? Peer pressure. Somebody shout peer pressure. People in the world are still trying to tell us how to live our lives, when to live our lives, what to do with our lives, whether they're telling us directly or they're even telling us indirectly. You know, some people got something to say and they're not even saying nothing at all. They didn't open their mouth, but their presence and the way that they, they treat you speaks to how they are pressuring you to do something. Am I making sense? That we all are facing peer pressure. You're fighting with embracing what God is doing in your life. Because someone else is trying to tell you what you have to be. People are telling you you have to be this and you have to be that. You got to play this part. You holding back on what God has put on the inside of you. You know that God has put something in your heart. But you're holding it back because of the pressures of other people. Am I making sense this morning? But the lesson for class today in this summer school um, session is don't let the pressure make you. Don't let the peer pressure that people put on your life, don't let it make you who you are. But let, let their opinions, let it be opinions. Let their comments, let it just be that comments. When people have their two cents and they want to offer it to you in your life, you let it just be that two cents and you use your spiritual sense that God has given you in your life. You be obedient and you be true to who you are in God, what God is doing in your life, and not who they are trying to pressure you to be. Because can I tell you something? You don't have to please them. 
I know some people that they feel like you got to do this and they tell you you have to do this and you feel obligated. But let me give you a little deliverance. You don't have to please them. I have learned this in my life and you can take this and take it with a grain of salt or take it to the bank. Everything is not for everybody and everybody is not for everybody. I'm going to say that again. Everything is not for everybody and then everybody is not for everybody. You are not for everybody. You are not, everybody can't handle what God is doing in your life. Everybody's not ready to go with where God is trying to take you. That's why they keep trying to pressure you to do something else. Because everything is not for everybody, and everybody is not for everybody. Your future and the turnout of your life is not in the hands of the people that are trying to pressure you, but your, your, the future, your fate, and your turnout of your life is in God's hands. And I have made the decision in my life that I would rather be favored by God instead of liked by people. I made the decision, and it took me a minute. It took me a minute, a minute and a journey to find this out. I'd rather be favored by God than liked by people. Because one thing I have learned about people is that people will switch up on you in a drop of a hat. People put you on a pedestal, but then once they put you on the pedestal, they'll rip that pedestal down. And you're looking like, Lord, what, 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 am, I, what am I supposed to do? But one thing I have learned is that when you trust God to be God in your life, hallelujah, when you stop trying to live to please everybody else and you get that vision, you get that instruction, you get that advice from God and you live it out, God will be faithful to you. I'm, huh. Somebody here in the house today, you have feel like you got to take advice from other people on how to raise your kids. No, God says, I'm giving you the instruction. If you do it the way that I say do it, then I'm going to favor you. Somebody here in the house, you've been trying to figure out, God, how I'm going to get through this recovery. God, how I'm going to get through this. And God says, if you would do things the way that I say do it, I will bring you the healing. So I don't care about being liked by people. As long as I'm favored by God. I would rather be liked by people instead of favored by God because people would switch up on you. But God is always going to be there for you. So let me help somebody. Don't let the pressures of this world push or influence you to be something, to do something that you are not. Don't let the pressures of this world push you pressure you, influence you to be something that you are not in God. And so I'm getting ready to move on, but I think oftentimes we address um, the type of peer pressure that many face that attempts to influence us to do certain things that we know we should have been doing. But then there's another type of peer pressure I've learned on the flip side. There's a peer pressure, and we're going to find it in our text, that causes us to water down who we are in order to fit into a certain space. There's a, there's a type of peer pressure when you know that you are watering down your experience and your callings and who you are, you hold back in order to fit that space. And this morning, I want to center our discussion around this type of peer pressure. Am I making sense this morning? Am I helping y'all this morning? I want to deal with this type of peer pressure that you don't have to water down who you are because you go into settings that don't welcome you. I'm going I'm to get to it. Don't give up who you are in order to fit in with this world. 
And this is not just doing certain things, but this is refusing to express who you are in God because of the pressures of other people. You know that God has given you a word. Huh? You know that God has called you to more. You know God told you to tell that person this and this and that, but you won't speak out because you feel pressure to keep quiet. You know, you know, you know that God has pressured you to, uh, God, not, not God has pressured you, you know that God has called you to live holy, but you won't speak out. You won't, you won't hold people accountable. Why? Because you're pressured by the ones around you. you you're pressured to not perform and be committed like you should be. Because of the pressures that life has introduced you into the, in this season. Can I say this? Life is telling you, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. Huh? You know God has called you to more, but life is saying you don't know what you're doing. You need a little bit more training. This is not the time yet. You have to work through some things. You need to figure this out first. You need to change the way you dress first. Your family is not going to like the way you do that. You need to do that. You need to wait. Life is pressuring you to do certain things when you know God has called you to more. You know God has called you to not only to do more, but to be more in your life. And you won't walk in it because you're pressured to stay complacent. You're letting the people around you who, ah, good God from Zion. You're letting the people around you pressure you and hold you down from being who God has called you to be. But I have never seen a, a straight A student get around students who are failing and then give up their work ethics to be liked by them. And if you know God is calling you to a grade A in your, your commitment to him, you can't let people who are failing in their commitment to pressure you to lower yours. I hope I'm making sense. I'm moving on. Jesus is facing, facing peer pressure in our text this morning. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Already in Jesus' ministry, many religious leaders have turned against Jesus. They were jealous of Jesus' popularity. They were jealous of Jesus' um, miracle. They were jealous of Jesus speaking in authority. And they valued their status in the community so much and their opportunity to gain personal gain so much that they lost sight that their goal as religious leaders was to point people to God. Of all the people in the world, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they should have recognized Jesus as the Messiah. But they refused to acknowledge him because they were not willing to give up their treasured possession and their treasured power. So when Jesus exposed their attitudes, he became their enemy instead of their Messiah. And they began looking for ways to turn the people, the crowd of people that were following Jesus, they were trying to find a way to turn them against Jesus. Yet amidst that adversity and the opposition of the religious leaders, Jesus stood firm in his ministry. And in our text, we learn three lessons, and I'm going to give them to you, and I hope you're taking notes, that applies to us as we're facing peer pressure in this world. Number one, to beat peer pressure, we have to, number one, don't compromise. Somebody shout, don't compromise. I'll look to your neighbor and say, neighbor. No matter where you go, don't compromise. Amen. In the moment of our text, we find a conflict. Jesus, the man who is able to perform miracles, signs, and wonders, is brought into a moment and into a space where who he is is not welcome, where who he is is not the norm. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had their mind made up on how they were going to handle Jesus. 
They couldn't stand Jesus because he was different. He walked, he worked, he preached with the authority of God. Let somebody tell him now, Jesus had the audacity to be anointed and to walk in the anointed, the anointing that he, God has put on his life. That he, was, he had the audacity to walk into the anointing of his identity and the anointing of his authority and his assignment. He was always, always ready to do the work of God at the drop of a hat. That whenever, watch this, the opportunity presented itself, Jesus was ready to do God's work. That he didn't change or he didn't shift who he was to fit into a setting. But everywhere you met Jesus, you best, you best believe it was going down. Y'all remember that song? If you meet me at the mall, it's what? It's going down. Watch out. And every time that you met Jesus, guess what? It was going down. If you met him by the river, somebody was getting healed, bodies were getting healed, souls were getting saved, demons were getting casted out. If you met Jesus at the synagogue, guess what? It was going down. He was opening the scripture. People were getting understanding and growing closer to God. If you met him on a Monday, guess what? It was going down. If you met him wherever he was, wherever you met Jesus, it was going down. If you met him in the field, it was going down. Jesus was all about that action. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. Jesus was all about that action. He wasn't afraid to be who God created him to be, but he was anointed out loud. He was holy what? Out loud. He was chosen by God out loud because he had this confidence. He had so much confidence in God to be who he was out loud that he was willing to do what he needed to do. That he, he had so much confidence in God that it made all of the insecure people uncomfortable. But he, ha he had so much confidence, he had so much swagger in God that it made everybody else around him uncomfortable. I have learned this, that when you start living the way that God wants you to live out loud, it's going to make some people who don't want to do better uncomfortable. When you start carrying, carrying yourself the way that God wants you to carry yourself, it's going to make some people what? When you start holding people accountable, you're like, look, the Lord, the Lord don't even want us to be doing this or blase, blase, blase. It's going to make people what? Uncomfortable. But do you think Jesus changed who he was because he was making somebody else uncomfortable? Do you think Jesus changed who he was because somebody else wasn't used to what he was doing? Do you think Jesus watered down himself because other people didn't feel like it was the right time and place for him to be doing what God created him to do? The answer is no. Jesus didn't compromise to make other people comfortable. And in our walks with God, we will come into settings where who we are and what God is doing in our lives is not what everybody else is used to. I'm going to say that again. When you start walking in the way that God wants you to walk, when you're going to come into spaces and places where everybody else is not used to what God is doing in you. There will be some people who are not used to seeing people pray and pray about everything. There will be some people who are not used to seeing a person committed and committed and strict to living for holiness. They're, they're not used to see a person that don't want to gossip. They're not used to seeing a person that doesn't want to drink every now and then. They're not used to seeing a person who is not willing to, who is willing to wait on marriage. But just because they are not used to it doesn't mean that you have to lower your standards to make them comfortable. 
Just because everybody else is not used to what God is doing in your life don't mean you have to hold back, good God, from Zion. But no, you have to be unapologetically be who you are in God. Let me tell you this. Stop apologizing for being anointed. Stop feeling sorry. Stop feeling bad because you're different. Stop feeling bad because you feel as if you do, you're trying to do what's better for you and those around you are complacent. Let me help you. Stop feeling bad. But in every place and every time that you go in, you be who you are in God out loud. Somebody shout out loud. Somebody shout out loud. I'm going to have my confidence in God out loud. I'm going to have faith. Look, you're going to come to my house and I'm praying a sermon. You're going to be like, what you doing? I'm living for God out loud. Somebody shout out loud. People should see, should see that you love God out loud. People should be sure that you love God. People should be sure that you respect God and that you want to do what God wants you to do. People should know that you respect God enough that you won't cross him. People should be sure that you believe in God for the best in your life. And the only way they're going to know it is if you do it, what? Out loud. That you don't have to switch up for nothing. You don't got to switch up for nobody. But you be who God has created you to be. Where? Out loud. Some people ain't going to like it. But you do what you God has told you to do. What? Amen. Let me tell you this. I'm going to step on some toes when I say this. But y'all, forgive me. Don't throw tomatoes. Please come back next Sunday. I may, I may preach. God is going to bless you. Uh, God did not place his glory on the inside of you to be reserved. But he places glory on the inside of you for you to release it. And I had to learn this in life. That I had to separate myself from the opinions of others so that I can live out loud for God. Because I had to learn that as long as I was bound and I was worried about what other people would have to say and how other people would respond, even my family, how they were going to respond, what they were going to say about it, and I was depending on their preferences, whenever I was trying to do all of that, I was dimming my light. I was dimming my light. God has called me to shine bright. But when I was worried about what everybody else was going to say, I was dimming my light. And I had to learn that I was dimming my light so that somebody else can shine brighter. But let me, let me give you deliverance. Don't dim your light so that somebody else can shine brighter. Don't dim your light in what God has called you to do to accommodate other people. If they can't stand the glory of God that you're releasing, then maybe they need to put some shades on. Good God from Zion. Because I refuse to change who I am to accommodate you and what you're doing. But if you're not ready for what God is doing in my life, then maybe you need to get on my level. So I'm not going to get on your level. You get on my level. I ain't going to change. No, you get on my level. I, I know y'all doing that, but you get on my what? You get on my level. In our text, Jesus didn't heal the man, the, the man with the withered hand in secret to make the Pharisees comfortable. Because Jesus could have easily been like, hey, look, man, let's go, let's go back in. I'm going to heal you, and you're going to go back in there and do it. No, Jesus didn't take them to the side. No, Jesus did it in front of everybody where God can get the most glory. And he did it what? Out loud. You don't sit on God's glory and miss your moment and miss your opportunity for God to shine, but you go after it. Many times, we talked about excuses in Sunday school. Many times, we use this excuse. Pastor, I'm shy. 
I, I would say something, but I'm shy. Pastor, I, 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 look, I know God told me to go do this, but I'm shy. Pastor, I, I, I'm shy, and I've learned that this right here. That it's not that we're always shy, but that we are actually running from rejection, and we're actually running away of wanting to be accepted and approved by those in a setting. It's not that you're shy. It's just that you're afraid that they're going to reject you. Ah, we don't want to be the talk in the town. We don't want them to talk about us in the group chat. Good God from Zion. We don't want to be roasted. We don't want to be joked. We don't want, we don't want to be checked. We don't want people to look at us differently. So we hide who we are. And we compromise who we are. But I have come to learn this. Who, who, who are they anyway? Who are they anyway? They didn't call you. They didn't create you. They didn't commission you. They didn't anoint you. They didn't put a roof over your head. They didn't provide for you when you got, they didn't provide when you didn't have money. They didn't heal your body when you got sick. So why are you worried about what they have to say about you? We have to stop living for the approval of people. That, it, that we don't carry, that, oh, watch this. We have to stop living for the approval of people that don't carry weight in the spirit. And when it starts being, when it starts being about getting approval and getting affirmation and getting liked by people and accepted by people, that's when you will find confidence to be who God has created you to be. When you take your mind off of what they have to say and how they're going to respond, I know sometimes I, I sound a mess when I sing, but good God from Zion, good thing I'm not singing for y'all, I'm singing to God. And so, look, I'm not going to change who I am to make somebody else feel comfortable. So when I stop worrying about it, people say, Callan, you sound a mess. Callan, you, you know you shouldn't have sang that song. But when I learned that I was doing it for God, when I placed my mind on God, that's when I learned how to be who God created to me, me to be. So let me tell you this. You're going to have haters. I, I'm not a big person to preach hater theology. But you're going to have some haters in your life. But let God handle your haters. When you start doing what God has told you to do, your family going to have something to say. But let God handle their comments. You're going to have some people to give you a side eye. Side eye. Y'all know the TikTok. Side eye. You're going to have some people to give you a side eye. But let God handle the side eyes. But you don't compromise because you're afraid and you want to be accepted and approved by people. Am I making sense? So look to somebody and say, don't compromise. All right, I'm moving on. We're talking about peer pressure. Peer pressure. Not only do I not need you to don't compromise, but I need you to be consistent. Be consistent. Somebody shout, be consistent. All right, y'all shout, be consistent, and clap while I open my water. Amen, praise God. It was going to be a little awkward if I didn't say that. But I want you to be consistent. Jesus taught the Pharisees, the people, and us an important lesson in the text. It is that there are no days off when it comes to being committed to who you are in God. I'm going to say that again. You, you can't take a day off and being committed to who you are in God. In our text, Jesus has gone to the church on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a special day because it was the traditional day of rest. 
We know that in Jewish culture that there was no, to be no formal work done when on the Sabbath. No healing, no, no work, no work in the field, no nothing. But instead of working, the people were to gather at the synagogue and hear the law of Moses and read, hear the prophets and listen to them and read them so that they can live out their religion. And so we kind of have this thing today. We go to church on the Sabbath, our, our Sunday, to receive the word of God so that we can live better out in our week. Now, in our text, we find an issue. The Pharisees are so stuck in their tradition. They're so stuck in their routine that they did not want Jesus to heal this man on the Sabbath. They basically were expecting Jesus to take the day off and being who God has called him to be. Like, Jesus, look, we know you're a healer, but look, take, today, like, take this day off and then maybe heal him tomorrow. You, we, we know you're supposed to be called a priest, but look, take today off because we, we, we try to have a good time. I'm in the house today. I know, I know, we, look, I know you started this Christian journey, but look, take today off. Take today off because we're trying to go out tonight. I, look, I know you try to be super saved, but look, when you come around here, take, just, just, take the day off. People want us to take the day off. Peer pressure. But it didn't work like that for Jesus. Jesus, Jesus asked the Pharisees, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? To save life or to kill it? In other words, Jesus was explaining that every day that is given to us is an opportunity. That's something to write in your notes. Every day that you have that God has woken you up is an opportunity. I'm going to say that again. I don't care if you're going through all hell. If every day that God has given you is an what? Opportunity. An opportunity, watch this, to do good for God's glory. Every day you got, every time, every, every day you have, it's a chance, an opportunity for you to do something good for God's glory. So as long as we are alive, there is an opportunity. And we should be rushing to do the work of God. As long as we are alive, there are going to be people that's going to be sick. And we should be rushing to pray for their healing and offer support. As long as we are alive, there are going to be people struggling. We should be rushing, um, rushing to be there for them and to provide and do the work of the Lord. There are no days off. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, there are no days off. That this calling that you're carrying in your life, guess what? You didn't choose it, it chose you. I, I didn't, look, Lord knows, I didn't ask to be a preacher, but it chose me. This journey that God has put you on, you, you were like, God, I didn't even ask to go through all of this. I didn't ask to be put in this place. God, I didn't ask to be doing all of this, but it chose you. And because the calling chose you, guess what? There's no days off. I'm, I'm getting ready to move on. Many times we treat our callings and our faith and our commitment and our character in God as we do church clothes. We treat, you treat your calling like you treat church codes. You, te- you treat your commitment to God like church code. You, you treat your character like you treat church clothes. Because you only put church clothes on when you come into church. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super saved. I'm anointed because I'm about to go to church. I, look, I'm going to smile today because I'm about to go to church. On a Sunday, I'm going to live right today because it's Sunday. 
ain't going to lie because, look, I'm on church grounds. Watch out. Don't you all know what we'd be like? Don't don't lie on church grounds. Why you lie on church grounds? I'm in the house. And we treat being prophetic. I'm gonna prophesy today because I'm going to church. But when, what, what I have learned is that this calling in God is not church code. You can't take it off and on when you want to. I didn't ask to be a pastor. I didn't look. I, was, I didn't ask to be a preacher. And, but God has shows me, and no matter where I go, whatever setting I go to, I'm always a pastor. I'm always a preacher. I was talking to my friends. My friends. My friend got married um, yesterday. Thank the Lord. And I was. We were. We had to be remind ourselves that even though we in Memphis, Amen. Praise God. And we're here to have a good time on this bachelor's party. We all still called to be pastors, and we all still called to be preachers because this calling is not something I get to take off. I didn't get to take off Friday night because we were going out to have a good time. No, but I was still a pastor. I was still a preacher. You in your life, you don't get to take off just because you're going to college. You don't get to take off just because they don't know who you are. But your calling and your uh, character and your faith, your commitment to God is not church clothes. Don't just put it on for special occasions. No, but wear it every day. Watch this. Truth be told, I don't like to wear church clothes. If you know me, I, as soon as church is over, I'm taking this suit off because I like to be comfortable. Because church clothes is uncomfortable. And sometimes walking in your calling, it can be uncomfortable sometimes. It can be uncomfortable sometimes, but you have to learn how to walk and to be comfortable in what God has called you to be. Amen? Um, I'm getting ready to move on. I don't got beside myself. Um, last thing, after you do all of that, after you have, um, don't compromise, after you have decided to be consistent. That, that every day I wake up, I'm going to live for God. Every day I wake up, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to be intentional about living for God. The last thing I need you to do is take action. Somebody shout, take action. Okay, that's how, that time y'all said it. Shout, take action. Up until this point, um, Jesus was in conversation. He was only in conversation with the religious leaders. He had simply, up until this point that Jesus gets up until verse 5, he had simply just called the men with the wither hand to the front of the room. He didn't do anything else. He would just call them up, and he was just talking to everybody else. But in verse 5, Jesus takes action in healing the man. Now, I want you to draw in a little closer. Come here into Jesus' instructions to this man. Jesus tells this man to what? Stretch for thine hand. All right. Let's repeat, repeat after me. Stretch for thine hand. Let's do it again. Stretch for Dine hand. Dine. And when you look in other translations, you'll find this word, hold out your hand. In other words, it says, hold out your hand. And I've learned this, that the only reason why somebody is going to hold out their hand is because they're expecting to receive something from them. So when Jesus tells the man to hold out his hand, watch this. He was coaching him into the posture of worship. Because when you are ready to worship, you are willing to what? Hold out your hand. You're willing to what? Lift your hands. And I have learned this, that when God wants, when you want God to show up in your life, all you have to do is hold out your hand. All you have to do is go to God in worship. When, when you want God to do something in your life, just what? Hold out 
touch your hand. Get you a gospel song and sing it like it never ends. Let people get tired of let the people get tired of hearing you sing. When you want God to do something in your life, get you a verse and say it over and over and over and over until it hits your spirit. When you want God to do something in your life, get you a sermon, put it in your AirPods, and you go, you listen, and you let it speak life unto you. If you, if you want God to come into your house, get you a sermon, get you some music, put it on your YouTube, on your smart TV, and let it play, because that's worship. Worship is the space where we receive what we need from God. Worship is where we hold out our hands to God, right, and expecting that he's going to give us healing. In expecting that he's going to give us breakthrough. In expectation that he's going to give us the reassurance and the understanding that we need. That we are able to receive what we need from God when we hold out our what? Hands. So if you want to, if you want to get something from God, go to God in what? Worship. Somebody shout worship. worship. Okay, that time y'all said it. Shout worship. worship. God restores things because back to the place that they were designed to be when we worship him. I'm going to say that again. God restores things back to the place where they were designed to be when you worship him. When you start worshiping God, not only do your situation change, but you begin to change. When you begin to worship God, you're going to start having the right perspective. When you start worshiping God, your attitude and your perspective and your feelings about a situation, I bet you it's going to change. Because in worship, God restores us back to the place that we were supposed to be. The Bible says that the man's hands was restored whole as the other. In other words, it was functionable. Worship is the way. Watch this. Put this in your notes. Worship is the way that we handle dysfunction. Worship is the way that we handle dysfunction. If you have a dysfunctional, dysfunctional relationship, worship God. If you're, ha- if you're having a dysfunctional day, worship God. If you just feel like something is off, worship God because it is our answer to anything that is off in our lives. Worship shifts and makes everything right because it involves the presence of God. Amen? Amen? All right, I'm done. In conclusion, our homework assignment for this week is to be intentional about not allowing the pressures of other people to make us. This week, Be intentional about embracing your calling, embracing your instructions, embracing your personality and your purpose in God. This week, be intentional about taking up your cross and following Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus says, no man can follow me unless he first deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. No matter what people have to say, let them talk. No matter what kind of looks you get, Let them look. No matter what happens to you or what happens, you keep carrying your cross. Because after the cross comes a crown. After the cross comes a crown. But you have to endure the pressure even unto the death. You have to endure pressure even though it seems like it may not be working. But I bet you, I will put my life on the line, that after the cross comes a crown. But they told me, no cross, no crown. You'll get what God wants for you if you're willing to carry your cross. Don't let someone who is performing in their poor in their walks with God try to coach you in yours. 
I'm going to say that again. Don't let someone who is performing poor in their walks with God try to coach you in yours. Don't let insecure people try to tell you how to carry yourself. But your life, because this, and this is something I live by, your life will look like those who you take advice from. Your life will look like those who you take advice from. So if you take an advice from this person, you can expect to be in the same predicament as them. So since that's the case, the best person that we should be taking advice from is Jesus. If we want to have a life that looks like Jesus, then we ought to be taking advice from who? Jesus. There's an old song that says, let Jesus lead you. Y'all know that song? Let Jesus lead you. What? From earth all the way to glory. Amen? They say he'll lead you if you let him. I go back to the old school church. They say he's a mighty good leader. Yes, sir. But if you let Jesus lead you, your life will begin to look like his. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you now for this day. God, thank you for this opportunity to come to your house and to worship your name. God, I thank you now that you have given us a word to not be complacent. Father, to not allow the pressures of people to hinder us in being what you have called us to be. But Father, I thank you now that you are releasing a spirit of boldness. You're releasing a spirit of confidence to be and to embrace and to express who you have planted us planted on the inside of us. Father, I pray now that you will even allow your people under the sound of my voice to come into agreement and an alignment with what you have purposed them to do. God, whoever is sitting on their calling, God, whoever is sitting on their anointing, God, whoever is sitting on their walk with you, Father, I pray now that you even move the chair. Hallelujah. So that all they have to do is trust you. Father, where all they have to do is walk in your will, God, where all they have to do is walk out what you have called them to do. So, Father, anoint them now in this season to walk out and to be who you have called them to be. And, Father, as you do this, we will give you the glory. God, we will give you the honor and the praise for the rest of our days in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen Amen. give God praise in his house right there